Welcome to the CTG Nation podcast, episode 59. We're going to be sitting down with Brewer again, a uh, long time no see from him. We're going to do a little bit of a catch up, what he's been up to and kind of his future individual endeavors and what he's doing with Valkyrie. Um, we'll get kind of his <clears throat> thoughts um, from the SWAT challenge, even though we've pretty much covered covered that down with our two uh, two episodes on that, but just his part um, in regards to canine integration on workshop day. And he also had one of the live fire ranges and then we're going to kind of do a part two of resiliency. So those are kind of like three topics we're going to dig into. Um, some of the recording, just some housekeeping stuff. Some of the recording might be coming up a little different. I'm using some different, uh, earphones, um, anchor is, is still the same thing, but it's transitioned to sp- quote Spotify for podcasters. So if you have that, it looks just like the Spotify, you know, widget, but instead of being green, it's like purple. And there was like some features that were taken away. We we're supposed to record the day before and there was some stuff that was acting up. So we're trying to figure that out. Um, but <clears throat> all the episodes I know for sure are still getting distributed to, um, all the different avenues that the RSS feed gets published to. Um, not really sure about how ads are working anymore. So you might not have to skip over that stupid, like one minute, one and a half minute quote ad for anchor. Uh, I'm going to see how it works. Uh, if not stand by for the second segment of this. Brewery, hear me buddy. Yes, sir. Awesome. So we're both, uh, monkeys and we couldn't figure it out last night. So, Somehow we figured out today. I guess you just had to reload the app, I guess. Yeah, I just completely deleted everything off my phone and reloaded it. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking it was. I was just, when I do like the intro for these, you know, sometimes I was like chopping them up with like that mandatory ad read for Anchor, which is like not Anchor anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I already hit on uh, the technical difficulties and our kind of like outline for the episode. So, Okay. Well, yeah. Well, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad that worked because next step was hammer. I only have two steps. That's uh, hit the reset button, blow into it, or uh, hammer. So, yeah, just blow into it like a Nintendo. like an old Nintendo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, <clears throat> from the comp, I know kind of some of what you got going on, but not everybody else does. Um, so whatever you want to get into with what's going on at the PD or if you're going to yes yeah, so, you know, do your do your, do your change getting into contracting or and kind of go into that cuz that's that's pretty uh, exciting. Yeah, I give I give some updates. Uh so I am making some career changes um for the better. Uh after 16 years being in purchase spots, I am no longer in purchase spots uh as of this week. Mm. I'm going into the private sector. Um, like full-time private sector. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that where there's a lot more money and opportunity. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not. I'm. I don't want to get into what I'll where I'll be or anything. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just. Uh, I, it's cool. I get to go back into canine handling. And I get to to go see the world. So it's gonna be pretty neat. Yeah, it's just doing what you probably should have done. What ten years ago? Fifteen years ago? I agree. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, keep making me younger. I like I like when you do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I did everything out of order too. It's okay. <clears throat> We're finally freaking getting there. 
Um, <clears throat> I guess that's one thing we could bring up because there is uh, so I have like a like a podcast idea list. Like I have people I want to talk to, and one of those. Um, so I've had some friends that were, you know, in public service or in the military for so long. And they're just like, you know what? Like, <clears throat> cause the world we live in now is not a, uh, you know, do your 20 or your 25 and you can, you no. know, stay loyal to one place. And it's just not the environment, uh, we're in. I mean, some people say like, Oh, it's the damn millennials and whatever. I deal with shitty old people all the time too. So you can't tell me it's just millennials. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, xyz or like their shit bags and all of them um but one of those topics was you know what ultimately what makes people leave um because i know and i had an episode with him um my buddy that used to work for west columbia you know he left and kind of um he was just approached with too much money to pass it up and he kind of combined like in his head he kind of validated it by you know he's like well with my combined service in the marine corps and then in law enforcement um you know he had you know he was in double digits of service so he was over 10 years like with both of them um he was like you know like i've you know quote served enough um that might sound fucked up to some people because they just believe in like a you know a lifetime of working for the man and public service and everything. Um, and I think in some contexts you can kind of do both, but there definitely has been people that have left it altogether. So however deep you want to go into that hole, go ahead. Yeah. So, so I struggle a little bit with the guilt side of things, uh, getting out of it. Uh, more, not, not leaving who's, who's in it now, but, you know, kind of like uh, almost feeling like you're failing at, at keeping that legacy going. Yeah. Um, and that's the traditional side of it, I know. But, you know, I had my grandfather was a career cop, you know. Um, we, you know, we had friends close, you know, acquaintances or friends close to both of us that got killed last year, you know. And, um, you know, I've had other other friends you know up here that that had passed on and stuff so so the guilt side of it uh i think is uh really the only thing i've struggled with getting out of it not keeping their legacy going kind of you know making it more traditional in honor of them you know kind of how we deal with things you always say hey you know just gonna go answer another call tomorrow because that's what you do that's how you honor people so yeah there's definitely not like um i mean i'm everybody that listens to this knows i'm pretty pretty good at being a devil's advocate for stuff like this obviously if i didn't want to do it i wouldn't be in it and um making some of the moves that i've been doing and we can get into that a little bit later but um you know, there's no, there's one thing to the job to where there's no end. Yeah. Um, which is a good thing and a bad thing. Um, because, you know, it is technically job security. <clears throat> but then there's no end game. Mm -mm. There's going to be abusers. 
Um, you know, people that beat their wives, people that abuse drugs, people that steal things, people that, you know, have 20 speeding tickets, you know, people that are, you know, DUS 27. Um, like those people are going to exist forever, no matter how good you are at your job. Um, so in a way, getting into that mindset to where there's like no end in sight is almost like detrimental to your, you know, health, your mental health, whatever. Um, so, I mean, you have to be in a certain mindset to accept that just like this spoke in this wheel, you're just a part of it. And then you're easily replaceable, you know, no matter how like, you know, hot shit you are at your department, how many times you've been on Facebook, how many promotions you got. Um, you know, because where I'm at, we have a retired sheriff that still lives in the county where he was the sheriff for, I don't know, I know it was in the double digits. But, um, so, you know, he was the man back in the day when, uh, you know, there was a lot more, quote, street justice uh, yeah. served by law enforcement. And now he has to, you know, he, I mean, he's an older man now, but, you know, he just has to sit back and be and just look at, you know, I mean, there's good and bad, but. You know, he served all those years and served all those years where he was, you know, literally able to get away with almost anything um, in the county. And now he's just another person. I mean, that's yeah. the rea that's the reality of it. And and I'm not, you know, I'm not going to downgrade it or or anything else. You know, if I got into this to be somebody famous or rich or anything else and. You know, I'd have never, never done any of it. However, I, I have been through enough things in the 16 years, you know, between fire and, and uh, EMS and, and law enforcement to know, to understand what you're saying and know, know that this is reoccurring and this is going to be a, this is a cyclic thing. This is not a, there's no end to this, like you're saying, you know. I think uh, my biggest problem with culture and how they view law enforcement right now is they want to see that these cops are human and not robots and, and this, that, and the other and not militaristic and not aggressive and all this. However, the very things that they think that we shouldn't be displaying are what make us human, right? I'm not a freaking robot, so if I've offended you with my coarse language when I arrive on scene, well, fucking forgive me, please, because two calls ago, I almost had to shoot a guy, and then the call before that, I almost got ran over by another drunk while I was working a DUI wreck. So, yeah. hadn't been the best day, you know what I mean? And I'm human, and I'm sorry for that. It, it's the, everything's backwards. Society's backwards, and and I don't know, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the private sector and make some money. That's you know, thankfully law enforcement gave me a couple skill sets that that I'll be able to utilize, and uh, I'm a, a you know I'm gonna rebuild my life. So. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one thing. I think I've already said it to where, um, you know, since I've 
been promoted and getting into like I'm deeper into the weeds of my department. I mean, you come to the realization that it's just an endless battle of, I mean, it can be whatever, getting the training you want, needing the equipment you want. Um, I mean, hell, I got a, you know, I've been helping with um, kind of not really setting up a program, but just getting everybody on the same page for recruiting, hiring, and retention and how we execute all three of those better as a growing department, right? Um, so I've been doing that. I've been going to recruiting events. Um, I mean, hell, even, you know, I got thrown on, uh, you know, admin always likes, and, and some people think that we just bitch about admin, like, too too much, or just, like, we'll always complain about them, but just that's always been the the rivalry is patrol division versus admin and then the other everything else just kind of like falls in and it depends how big your department is and if anything's a collateral position or if you do both things or whatever people know what i mean because i'm i'm an srt operator but i'm also a road corporal you know what i mean mm-hmm. <clears throat> but even like little stupid stuff, like the most recent one, um, like people want to have like license plates on the, not license plates, but just like a, a, what do they call it? Like a specialty tag on the front of the patrol vehicles, right? Oh, yeah. So, so I've been put on a, like a, like a board to select a fucking plate for the front of our patrol vehicles. <laughs> so They want to keep them uniform. Yeah, they want to keep them all the same because, like, the original battle was, um, you know, anybody that was a canine would have a canine plate on the front of theirs. Uh, anybody that was SRT, they would be able to put, you know, the eagle and the and the AR on the front. And um, so even like little shit like that, it's just like figuring out what fucking plate people want on the front of their cars. Um, to more serious stuff, obviously, but. It's always a battle no matter what. Um, like a big, one of the biggest operational battles here is the, I mean, our, our sheriff is in his second term now, but he wanted to take everybody off the interstate. There's a reason that happened. I don't think it's a smart choice to completely not be on the interstate but there was people that abused that that led to that happening right um so that's kind of one of those battles toward where we're at we are not on a major interstate in south carolina which i personally think is a mistake but that's what the boss wants so how do we combat that you know if he's adamant of hey you're not going to go on the eye no matter what well i'm going to be as close to the eye as possible work in you know those roads that are the exits right Mm -hmm. um watching gas stations yeah little shit yeah watching gas stations um knowing where those people get off and where they go and um you just gotta learn to work around these battles because and one of the things that i've noticed once i've gotten into quote leadership is the like the base level deputies patrolmen whatever 
their complaints are like endless because they're kind of really negative because they have to worry about sometimes they have to worry about more stuff. Um, well, it's just different stuff where I do think I have to, I kind of think as a corporal, I get to worry about less, but the stuff I do get to work on is more focused and people listen to me more for whatever reason. It's like always a corporal. We can listen to him more now where it's just like, okay, a year ago I was just a master deputy, but I'm still the same motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? I just haven't, you know, I don't have um, a lot of years in service at one place. I have a lot of years in service at several places, but that's just where life or God or whoever took me. Right. Um, that's kind of been my thing is just the endless battle. And if you're not in the mindset to kind of isolate those battles and pick your battles, you'd be like, all right, well, we got this and this. Uh, you know, because of the environment and the leadership, we're gonna have to work around these other things in some different ways. Um, but some people, like I was saying with the <clears throat> with the lower ranks, they just want to pick a battle. Well, they want to pick all the battles, and that's obviously not productive. Um, so you got to kind of pick where you can win, or you got to present things in a certain way. Um, Cause there's some stuff on this pot, even on this podcast where we're really like articulate with it. Right. And there's other stuff where we're just like, man, fuck this shit. Fuck that guy. Fuck this place. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there, and there's some people that are, um, you know, such so, so judgmental and short-sighted to where they only see, you know, the Aaron and the brewer that just fucking, you know, they just see like the ape side of us. Right. That's just bitching about whatever. Um, and they don't see kind of the smarter articulate side of things that we talk about. Yeah. To be fair, uh, I'm going to throw the disclaimer that I only have one side and that is a, <laughs> I don't articulate anything. So they're probably right. Bullshit. No, no man. I, but, uh, so I don't want to dive off into the admin weeds, but, Leadership. I mean, I. So How many I've times been, have we talked about leadership? Like, yeah, it's just. Um, I guess just recently, I've I've had a, and I don't mean just me. I mean, you know, where I'm at, it's like the corporals and the sergeant, your mid-level leaderships, or maybe just the people on SRT. It's not just. It's not just me. It's not just Aaron. So I don't. If I say I, I mean we, but. You know, it just depends whatever group I'm working with at the sheriff's office, right? Because I, I am known to uh, be able to talk to everybody. I'm known for that on the street, too. So, I just know that I've had a string of successes recently since my promotion with... Um, there's been a lot of successes on SRT with getting training and equipment you know, getting us uh, possibly to the comp next year. Now, if I'm on the team or if I'm helping with the comp is still left to be seen. Um, you know, that we had a big sergeant and corporal meeting where it was just patrol sergeants and corporals with the sheriff. There was nobody else in the room. There was no chief. There was no patrol captain. There was no anybody. And. Um, Which is how it should be. Yeah, and and 
a lot of good stuff came out of it. So it is possible. You just got to get the right people in the right room and be open to certain discussions. And, you know, you got to meet in the middle about some stuff. I mean, there's, especially with this bipartisan world that we live in, people think of like it in terms of politics where it's just like, no, you can't give any ground and blah, blah, blah. And this is my red line or my line in the sand or whatever fucking cliche fucking catchphrase. Um, But yeah, just that constant, just that constant battle is never going to end no matter what it's for. If it's to get stuff for SRT, if it's to get something for your shift, if it's to figure out how we can get, um, you know, get warrants signed better to where you don't have deputies coming in early or staying late or just little nuts and bolts like that. It's endless, period. Well, it sounds like you got momentum rolling, so keep it going. Yeah. No, we definitely got, we definitely got a little bit going. Um But for anybody else listening, because I know I'm pretty sure everybody that listens, there's like a wide range of like size and capabilities of departments. Because mm-hmm. um, I know some people from Anderson listen to this, Greenville, um, you know, but I also have a lot of people in Marion, you know, and Marion has like maybe 20,000 people for the whole county. Like it's, it's really small. Um, So you just have to apply that to where you're at and just get, um, I think one thing I always talk about is getting the small victories. Everybody always wants to hit a home run and it's just like, Oh, guess what? We're going to get all brand new Tahoes next year. Um, And I'm, you know, I'm just thinking, in terms of like materialistic stuff from like a cop perspective, that's not realistic to have all brand new 2023 fully loaded Tahoes next year. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like, Hey, let's get four and let's get one on each shift. Or um, say you have canines in your department, but you don't have patrol division canines. Okay. Well, what can we do to get like, one on one shift or get one that does a split try to get something instead of nothing like you're you're trying to go for home run balls all the time it's just like hey man sometimes you just need a good single or a double Um, and I'm not a baseball guy but it's a simple analogy um, to get things done that you want to see but I think that is what frustrates a lot of people to leave just the grind of the job after you high risk situations after getting so many chases that you know you've had to discharge your your firearm. Um, there's a lot of stressful stuff like that that'll wear down on you. Because um, I know, so when I got recertified and I was working for the small police department that I was a part of, I can count on one hand where I didn't have a week that I worked sixty to seventy two hours in that week mm-hmm. yeah, obviously that's good that's, that's going to take a toll on you um you know when i lived where uh you know i was i was permanent night shift um 
in a little ghetto town. I mean, just to keep it simple. I mean, it was, it was not cop friendly. Like every, almost every damn house, even if they called you was going to be a struggle. Um, so there's a lot of places across the state <clears throat> that are shorthanded. I mean, there's people shorthanded that you wouldn't even think would be shorthanded. Um, I just did a recent training out at Lexington County and someone told me between the, I don't want to say just the road, but total personnel. So they, they still control their jail there. Yeah. So total personnel, they're like 120 people short. Yeah. Across all the divisions. So you would imagine that the jail is probably at half staff and then the road is probably, I'm not sure exactly what they run per region over there. I know Lexington runs with three regions, um, you know, and they might be running like seven to eight per region. And that's what they're supposed to have, but they're really running with like four or three. <laughs> like it's not, it's not good for what they need. But I didn't mean part one to be that fucking depressing, but that's how it kind of turned in it. <laughs> Welcome. Yeah, just like welcome to the trenches, bitch. Like, <laughs> but it's really not that negative. I've been I've been running around all day, so I'm kind of low energy right now. But, um, anything else you want to hit on with you going to the private sector and making that decision to leave? Uh no, man. Just you know, everybody's still in it. Stay training. I'm a you know, still work with Valkyrie. I'm I'm still gonna be actually utilizing the skills that I teach. So none of that'll change. Um just yeah, man. That's I, I'm not gonna be a stranger. I'll be around. Yeah, yeah. All right, so moving on to more positive thoughts. <laughs> um what's your quick and dirty of the uh the SWAT comp? What did you think? I gotta I know, say I know I know you listened to to mine and then um, and mine was like Thursday night, like right after we all got home. Yeah. And then the one with, um, with me and Thomas, which is number two, our number two episode now, by the way. Good. Uh, yeah, man, my, my, a, I was, I was given, you know, certain AOs this year, um, instead of kind of being scattered. So the organization was a lot better. Um, the two areas that I worked in were, well, three. I helped. Uh, I helped with the K nine integration class um, on the first day, uh, which was I really liked that we added that that workshop day in there. I think everybody enjoyed that. Oh yeah. Um, day two. Um, yeah, day two. I was CQB lane with Paul Eats mm-hmm. and Control yep. Chaos. Yep. Um, that went smooth, man. We had we had some really good guys come through. Uh, all the teams did phenomenal, I, and I gotta say, I, I gotta throw this out there because I told every one of them operationally, I would not want to be on the receiving end of any of them when it's time for business because they're operationally those, those all of those teams are sound. Anyway, so CQB happened uh, day two. It went well. Went off without a without a hitch. Um, Day three, I ran around the, one of the ranges. I know you guys went over it. Uh, it was just a simple stress course, um, kind of utilizing the uh, failure drill technique. I, I didn't 
uh, originally was going to set hostage targets, um, but for time's sake, because we added two more ranges in this year, I wanted to keep uh, keep it running a little smoother, which I'm glad I did because that would have ate up some time. So mine was you sprint the range four times, uh, full kit with uh, with a mask on, obviously. Um, of course. <laughs> Uh, and then you have uh, five targets. You have to engage from left to right, right to left, uh, to the chest, one to the head. Uh, you know, you can. I gave them the option to shoot crossbody or square up, sprint to each target and shoot, just however they want to do it. I, I judge accuracy and time, um, and and it it turned out to be pretty good. I don't know. I know you guys were busy with your range, but we had uh, we, that fence post, that big. It's like a wooden fence line behind that range. I was on the steel range. Mm-hmm. They had, uh, uh, like when Greenville County was out there, Anderson County was lined up on that fence out there talking trash to them the whole time. Like, <laughs> like uh, they switched yeah. places, you know, and they were talking shit. It was just, yeah, it was yeah. good, man. So we, uh, my range on the third day, man, we had a blast. Um, me and Pope got to run that. Uh, turns out he's, uh, that was, that was the crazy thing about this year. He's my cousin uh, through marriage. Um, and you like found it out like at yeah, the cop while we were there so Jesus. so yeah that was nuts man uh <laughs> but uh, uh all in all dude i think the the competition this year was one uh it was another success we killed it two like i don't know man we're growing like we we got some some bigger name teams coming in and i hate to be that way like i don't like to publicize this stuff but it makes me excited to see the level a skill and knowledge that they bring to the table, you know, getting to work with each and each and every one of those guys and, and them being receptive to our criticism, you know what I mean? So pretty, pretty interesting. So I'm yeah, excited. No, the, yeah. The team's coming in. It, it's going to be exciting. And I'm excited to see. Um, I really just want to see how many teams we can fit in that place. That's really the biggest thing. Like all other stuff, like to me, like you, you can figure out all that stuff. Everybody that's there, um, they're all like really great guys. Like I, yeah. uh, like I've gotten more interaction this second year to where um, like multiple of the guys from North Metro have, you know, hit us up in the DMs. They're like, hey, I finally got around to the podcast. Like, you're right about this. Like, maybe y'all can work on that. And, like, there's a lot more, um, like, interaction. And it's all positive interaction. Um, because everybody wants to be better, and they want all the other teams there to get better, too. Because if you don't get better, like, you can fucking die. <laughs> so it's all, like, the bar is really high to – Make sure that everybody uh, like the competition, like in sports, it's not really like that where it's like, hey, you want to help. You even want to help other teams get better. But because this is a competition, it's a law enforcement competition. um, I don't know. I just feel like people care about each other more than like a traditional like competitive sport or whatever. Yeah. So going back to um, day one or like the workshop day, kind of talk about the the canine integration. Yes. So we we use the uh, the what the outline that we use is actually a course that Warren uh, Cavanaugh out of Richmond County. And uh, I know you guys talk about him all the time on here. Yeah, I got to get him on here. Yeah. Great guy and a good friend. Yep. Um, You know, I just talked to him the other day. Um, 
but you know his his outline that he brings to the table. Uh, I can't remember exactly how many topics are listed, uh, and I'm not going to give away any free chicken. But basically, it covers the uh, <laughs> ain't no soup kitchen. <laughs> basically, it covers everything from handler selection, canine selection, um, the positive and negative admin drawbacks or the ab- administrative issues. Excuse me. Um, what it, the optics are uh, in regards to the public, what the um, resources are that your department has available in regards to having an actual canine assigned to your, you know, a SWAT team or tactical team or whatever you guys are, what name, whatever name you go by, you know? Yeah. Um, and the pluses and negative, the positives and negatives of that. And then we go into uh, some very basic uh, tactical scenarios uh you know building clearing uh you know taking stairwells uh, tracking formations that, that that kind of thing so it's uh we had a lot to squeeze in and i'm pretty sure that that warren could teach that class uh, that could probably be a three-day course uh that we squeezed that we tried to squeeze that in in an hour and we had man we had some teams that were so engaged into in that it, it turned into open floor discussion you know we had some team hour and 15 minutes later than they were supposed to but hey that's what we're there for you know that's what that day was for yeah it was definitely a great addition um and every single section was great for people to learn because there was some people that were um you know tier one or tier two teams that have already you know say they already have a dog on the team or you know the other skill sets to where like there's some people that are that know how to repel and there's some people that don't know how to repel at all um because i'm pretty sure there's nowhere you would repel in chester county uh, <laughs> you know not a punk on them but it's just not it's just not part of their game plan right um day two talk about cqb that was kind of a um uh-huh. in, internally it was kind of a clusterfuck but we made it work in the end yeah so the i think i left the night before um and we had called an audible and we were going to do cqb in a different location and then when i arrived back our location had changed again and we already had a house uh built uh as best as it could have been so uh we we did we did made some minor changes and set up some targetry a little different but uh all in all you know, we went with it, adapted to it, and made it work. And it actually turned out to be a really good lane. We had, yeah, every team that came through there was, I mean, was sound. Uh, and I, I got to say, man, because I think we changed this year to, man, you you guys can't actually run through this and get the best time. You actually are getting graded on your shots. You're getting graded yep. on your technique and your skills. Um, you know, even communi- all the way down to communication, whether – you know, whatever you're doing nowadays, most most teams that we had had the the helmet integrated comms, which was great because they were all able to talk to each other pretty pretty easily. Yep. Um, but however you want to do it, if you if you know if your number twos are just talking to each other the whole time, I don't care. As long as they made it work, you know what I mean. And uh, it, it just it it turned into a really 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 good lane. Uh, and like I said, Paul, I it was a. I, I hate the fangirl for, you know, anything, but it was an honor to get to, to teach with him. You know what I mean? We've got a guy that's got, you know, two decades of experience or two and a half decades of experience and, and you know, 
military CQB, special forces, special forces selection assessment, um, you know, everything that he's done over his time. So that was cool. Cool. I, I learned a lot from him. I learned a lot from, from the guys out there. You know, and everybody was, was – I mean, we, we had we had a really good turnout. Everybody was re respectful, and it was cool, man. So then going into day three, you already kind of hit on um, your live range. Where did you get, like, the inspiration for your live range? I know you want – with the live ranges, we always want – I mean, obviously you want all of them to be – a little different and whoever um, is in charge of those lanes kind of puts their own little spin on it. But what made you want to run your lane the way you did? So I wanted uh, mine based off of a, a semi very similar to a hostage rescue situation being that you're going to be running that full sprint or, you know, most of the times if it is a shot, you know, a hostage rescue situation with shots being fired, you're going to be getting there as fast as possible. Your heart rate's going to be, you know, you're going to be borderline, you know, pushing that ceiling that you train to. And and I wanted to see those guys do that efficiently with that, you know, impaired vision because a lot of dudes still aren't running risers on the rifles or anything. So shooting with a mask, it, that changes the game a little bit to, you know, we watch them sprint. They have to shoot. It's not. It's not a far distance. It was an eight meter shot on each target, and you know, we watch those guys run through it and slow themselves down. Even that that simple, it, when it sounds like a simple sequence of, you know, firing sequence on five different targets, we had guys that would get to that fifth target and forget to restart their firing sequence on that right side, and they would, you know, they get deducted three rounds. So it's the little things that you throw in there that, that will deduct points that they have to be sharpened, you know, to they have to be turned on, switched on constantly. And and that's it's those little things as minute as that sounds that we take into consideration when we build those kind of ranges because those are the fine tuning techniques that we wanna wanna instill into into our operators, you know. Yeah, and I think with um that last day with the live range days i think it's easier to um kind of the if there was one big complaint that i think every team talked about was how points are calculated and how time is you know how much time equals whatever points right and with the live fire i think it's definitely easier to do that with the day um Day three, technically day one of like the quote competition side of everything where everything is scored. Um, some of those tasks, it's a little harder. Um, but on day three, the live fire day, it's way easier to do that. It's like, hey, bro, like you didn't even fucking hit paper. You didn't hit the head. You weren't in the C box. You didn't hit this fucking shape or this target or, you know, whatever, whatever uh, range is using. Right. Mm -hmm. Um so there was—I don't think there was a single gripe on um, on the live range day. Nothing, no gripes um, in terms of like the competition and how we ran stuff. I mean, there was gripes like within the team where it's just like, "Well, damn, I wish the sergeant had bought this shitty ammunition. We didn't have," you know what I'm saying? Like there was some yeah. teams that, that figured that out. Where um, uh, I specifically remember Spartanburg City was had like Winchester range ammo. 
oh yeah for competition it's like uh like it's the reason it's the cheapest stuff guys like i don't think i'd bring that to a competition so i mean that's obviously a lesson learned for them where it's just like hey for the comp let's let's buy like a little nicer stuff or put some money aside for like plan for that to have better ammunition so you don't have malfunctions during um you know a time precision event um, so out of your kind of those three things you did, what would you change to any of those? Man, I, I would add more time to these workshops uh, with the kind of questions we were getting and the, uh, you know, the the discussions that were happening. I would like to have a little more time, uh, especially with the K9 one. I mean, so we can even open that up into scenarios and have them demo teams, you know, that for for any team or commander that hasn't been able to to actually see a dog work in a team setting right um you know just that just to have that demo uh, i think with cqb um man i just i want to have more options and I, I hate to sound greedy i really do but i want to have more options with the with the shoot house i want to be able to move those walls more um and i know beggars can't be choosers i get it i get it <laughs> but yeah but i mean building a nicer shoot house is, yeah uh, i mean that's a um that's an easy fix. That's not, you're not reinventing the wheel or whatever. I mean, there's equipment for that. Um, you know, you got to make sure that people have the right simunitions and there was a kind of a hiccup with that with one of the teams. Um, but I mean, that's just, that's just a, Hey, like pay attention to your shit and then to build the shoot house or any of those ranges there, just buy, you know, quality equipment for a quality setup. And then, um, you know, if you put the time and the money on the front end, you don't cry on the back end. Easy, easy fixes to me. I don't, I don't even think that's people still liked it. Um, I think one of the most interesting recommendations was getting a drone up above y'all's CQB range. Yeah, yeah I think we had. Uh, that's a cool idea. That's a cool idea. Yeah, I think what there was one team that had theirs out there. It's pretty neat. Anderson. Anderson. Yeah. That was cool. Um, yeah. Another cool thing about day two, uh, I think it was it was North Metro Atlanta asked me and Paul to, like, as soon as their timed run was done and, and they were done being graded, they wanted to work back through it. And they were like, hey, you guys, can you guys run with us through this? And, like, like, heck, we went and, we went and grabbed rifles and started running with these guys, you know. That's the kind of camaraderie and, and networking that you want to have and the kind of respect that, that is shown but you know, amongst the guys that, that just, that's what that big thing that we were trying to accomplish, you know, that, that, that brotherhood and teamwork. I think that's what we actually, I saw it anyway. So. Yeah. The camaraderie with all those teams, like if you see a really good team, like that is, that is one of the top things that, that all of them have, like they all have their different personalities for sure. Um, I mean, we kind of talked about that on the other podcast. Um, but they're all like a group of brothers. Um, and then whenever we help them or they talk to us, be it, you know, at the comp or on Instagram or we're going to um, we're going to plan on actually visiting some of those in person, visiting all those teams over the next year. Um, you know, and they'll they'll welcome us, you know, CTG and Valkyrie with open arms and we'll, you know, we'll probably go out drinking that night. We'll have a course the next day. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Oh yeah. And it's just like the boys getting back together, even though 
you know, I've never, um, obviously being in South Carolina, like I've never done any work with any of those uh, municipalities in North Metro, but I mean, I think we have a good relationship with them. We've got a good relationship with Anderson and it was their first year there. Um, and they already asked Paul to come help them. Um, I had long conversations with, um, you know, their team leader and their SRT commander. And I don't even know if I've ever been in Anderson County, maybe once, but I I, I don't know why I went there. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? But you just, um, you know, just like-minded, motivated, uh, you know, operators are going to come together, which was awesome. Um, what was, uh, I, I mean, I know ultimately, you know, Dictator Thomas is, uh, no one says that. I just felt like saying that. <laughs> but Dictator, <laughs> Dictator Thomas ultimately is like, you know, it's his company, it's his competition, and he has his plans for next year. But what are some uh, some plans that you have or plans that you would like to see um, implemented in the comp for next year? I definitely want to see more um, skill-based grading. Uh, as opposed to time based mm-hmm. um and i think i think that was covered um mm-hmm. but i think that was a big one and and now that we we're getting down to having fractions of an inch you know in between shots and you know making or breaking the one and two spots i think i think yeah. now skills going to come into play we got some we got some guys coming out that are that are pipe hitters you know so uh definitely want to see that um i I would, you know, me personally, I want to get, get more sponsors. Uh, I just, you can never do enough or prepare enough. I feel like, and, yeah. you know, I just, uh, I want to, you know, personally, I want to, to freaking build myself this year and, and sharpen some skills that, that I can bring to the table. And, uh, hopefully I'll be in the country <laughs> uh, <laughs> for the next one. <laughs> if not, we'll just video you in. Yeah, just gotta yeah. get the time zones right. Yeah, time difference sucks, bro. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, it's like six a.m. there, I think. Yeah, it's yeah, that's. <laughs> I don't even know if we'd be able to do it live, but. All right, anything else on the comp? No, brother, that's it, man. It was awesome. The the guys that listened that were there, thank you for coming out. Thanks for giving everything you had. That's it, man. Yeah, that was a good time. All right, so now the original idea um, hit on kind of a part two of the resiliency episode I I did. It was two episodes ago, episode 57. Mm -hmm. Um, It's kind of hard doing some of those sometimes because some of the ones I do by myself, I have to – I actually have more notes for the ones I have to do by myself. Um, then you know when I have you or Corey or if me and Bobby are sitting down here, if I go live with somebody somewhere, um, so the did you listen? Did you actually listen to the other one, or you just look at my notes? No, I did. Well, I read your notes and I listened to everything, but like seven minutes of the other. Yeah, one. it was a, it was a short one. I think. Yeah, I, yeah, um, yeah. Some of some of that one was kind of. Like I said, it's kind of uncomfortable sometimes when it's just me. Um, 
But what, what was some stuff that stuck out to you from the episode? Like I have um, my outline from that episode. There's some of it that I think we could kind of unpack a little further. And then there was some further notes that I put that I'm going to kind of throw in here. Um, well, let's, uh, let's unpack what you want to get into here. Cause that was, we can go down the rabbit hole on that one. Yeah. Um, so we'll just go off the main points, um, from that last episode. I mean, I started it with kind of some definitions because sometimes the textbook definitions aren't the same as how we apply it in real life. Um, you know, the, the very first one I had, um, was from the American heritage dictionary for anybody that hadn't listened to that one. It's a kind of a short one. It's an easy listen. Um, but it pretty much says that to be resilient is to be capable of returning to original shape after being bent, stretched or compressed or to be elastic. Um, the second definition for that is, um, recovering quickly as from misfortune or illness. Now, a lot of that definition doesn't really apply to kind of what we think of in the military and first responder aspect. Cause, uh, you know, you're not necessarily running into misfortune or illness. It's just being resilient to kind of like what we hit on at the beginning of the episode was just being resilient to the job. I think that's kind of how I think of it the most, um, in first response, but is what makes that hard is everybody that listens to this knows that we're in a probably one of the least resilient time periods of society ever. And that's not just for um, the country. I mean, I think that's like the whole world. Like we, this is the softest bunch of motherfuckers ever to walk the planet to put it, to, to put it as bluntly as possible. Um, so as you know, two cops, two operators, two, you know, people that grew up with military and their family, um, the you know i'm pretty sure you and me think we we're born in like the wrong generation or like the wrong time frame yeah i don't um, fit in yeah um but then how do we deal with this less resilient society that's been built around convenience instant gratification um pretty much it's just a generation of brats i don't mean to sound like a freaking fud or anything um, but when you, when you work in first response, you see it more than most. Um, so then for us, um, and I don't think this is just for cops. I think this is for, I, um, you know, I think this is for fire and EMS also that you're getting more calls, more complaints, um, which lead to more obstacles to get whatever your job is done. Yeah. So how do we work around that? Don't bend. Simple. Don't bend. Especially when everybody around you is bending. Or should we bend... 
should we bend some into certain things and just don't break? I mean, that's pretty common. Like, bend, don't break. I mean, that's pretty pretty common and cliche. I think that the time of bend, don't break has uh, has come and gone, and we've got a crease. Okay. Um, I think that that we've been we've bent so much mm-hmm. it's created this gratification this instant like the 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 immediate yes the you know like you said instant gratification in this society so no i think uh fuck you should should become common vernacular again and uh kids should start getting hit in the mouth for uh, being smart asses i mean that's yeah, I mean, I try to apply that as much as possible. <laughs> I believe um, that. No, I'm just saying, like, there's no respect. I don't give a fuck how funny that sounds, man. Yeah. So another common phrase um, that you hear about is the pendulum swinging back. Yeah, there is no back. Back is gone. You realize that. So, so everybody wants to talk about history repeats itself. The pendulum swings back, and mm-hmm. I and I'm going to disagree with this hard because I've mm-hmm. recently had a conversation, yeah, like this. Um, back is the past. We're not going that back there. We'll never be back there. You can't go back. It's, so you don't think there's um. So you don't think there's a right and left limit, like on the pendulum on a clock. You don't think there's. You know, we're going 45 degrees to the left and 45 degrees to the right, and then it just kind of swings over time. That's not where we're at. No, I don't. And as a cop, I don't – I wish that um, <clears throat> when it came to it, came down to it, I would have been more rigid in, uh, in some of the things that I did. Give an example. Uh, PTI giving somebody that chance when I knew clearly it wasn't going to work, but it was easy and I, and I, it was an easy way to settle out of court. Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't, I had to, I didn't, I, you know, I didn't have to get up on a day off or whatever and show up for that. Right. Um, it's pretty then, common. Well, and then, you know, and then three years later ended up that kid getting arrested and sentenced to life in prison because he executed three people in the middle of the street in front of a school bus full of children. You know what I mean? Right. Like, Things like that, uh, I feel like I could have been a little more, little more rigid on. Um, so, hmm. so what what message did I send that kid? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're gonna get scared for a minute. You're gonna get put in handcuffs. You get sent to DJJ. But when it comes down to it, and it's time for us to hold up our end of the deal, you're just gonna get PTI, man. You're just gonna go walk around prison. Go through the the state's version, bullshit version of scare straight, and then you're gonna do some community service hours, and 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 there you go. Now you have been forgiven. Go out and cause havoc again, you little asshole. That's legit what we tell them. So. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of that going on. There was um, there was one in particular where I made kind of a um, it was an interdiction style stop. Um, Ended up being two gang members, had some stolen guns on them. Um, I, I don't know why they didn't shoot me, to be honest, because the way it kind of played out. Um, you know, they had it right under their leg. Um, 
you know, where I was, I was as safe as I could and went passenger approach. But like when you got a gun right there under your leg and it's like hidden out of view. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, I got them for, for distribution, stolen gun, and then they were both prohibited um, from having firearms, I think, just on a federal level. That's always kind of argument out here. It's like, oh, are they prohibited federally or by the state? It's, and I, I don't remember exactly, but um, so I don't remember going to court for that. They didn't request prelims or anything. Um, you know, I did wraps on both of them and both of their wraps were extensive with, um, with prison time, with state prison time. Um, and I think both of them ended up just getting like six months extensions on their probation. Mm. You know, and you got to do this prohibited with a stolen gun. And I had everything to prove that he was selling, you know what I mean? And it's just like. You probably should have gone back to prison, motherfucker. And both of these dudes were maybe like 26 or 28. And I want to say like most of their adult life. So like up to that point from 18, most of that time had been spent in a prison. Oh, yeah. And you just let them back out again. You know, just running drugs between Sumter and Columbia just another day um, but yeah I see, I see what you mean because <clears throat> I mean I, I think sometimes we need to be it's almost like we need to be harder on our end because there's too it's too soft on the other ends like oh, yeah. you know whatever the lawyers the um, you know the softer solicitor offices the softer judges um, I think we're the ones that need to be the most black and white, like keeping it simple. Uh, you know, cause there, there's too many cops, especially people in investigations now to where they're just like, Oh, well, what is this judge going to do? Or what is this judge going to think? Or, you know, they'll call the solicitor's office and um, to be pretty blunt, I don't give a fuck what the solicitor's office is going to do. I'm the frontline guy. I'm making the arrest off of, you know, whatever the probable cause and whatever the situation is. Um, and I'm going to go by the book, which the book for us is the South Carolina uh, statutes. Um all that deal making and, um, you know, arguments against stacking charges or whatever and negotiating points. It's like, okay, we'll drop this. If you plead guilty to that or whatever, that's not my fucking job. My job is to charge you with everything. Every single law you broke, you know, if it comes from a traffic stop and you need to make something a warning or, But if you have like a certain degree or a certain offense on something, I think you need to charge it to the fullest amount, like on our end, because it's going to get dumbed down on the back end. Yep. You know, and I mean, it sucks that we have to 
you know, look like the bad guy, but you know, any of the problems that are the problems are not on the cop level. It's on the judges and the attorney level. Like that's who's made all this shit fucked up. Okay, but why do we look like a bad guy in this situation? Why are we the bad guy in this situation? I'm literally... Because we're the first step. Because we're what everybody sees. We are a consequence written into the law that they're being held to. Like, at its simplest form, we are a consequence. I am a messenger. I take information. I determine whether or not there's probable cause. And I go to a judge. And I say, hey, judge, I have this probable cause because these, this happened and these are the facts of the case. And he says, yes, you do. Or no, you don't. That's simple as that. Yeah, I just think they try to make it too complicated. It's just, it's become like a, um, I don't know whatever you want to call it. There's certain days where I call it different things, but, um, you know, just a Ponzi scheme, you know, attorneys just making money, um, you know, just not holding people accountable for things, just giving them a million chances. They're like, Oh, they, they, you know, just give them all the excuses. Like, Oh, they came from a broken family. They came from a poor neighborhood. They came from this, they came from that. It's just like, okay, are you just going to give them a million chances? Um, forever um like there like there has to be an end game you know what that end game needs to end up being you know i mean society will decide that and society will get what it deserves um but yeah i I think just for us is to go by the actual statute Every single law that was broken, you know, write that ticket, get that warrant. Um, I don't know. I just think we need to just be more stern on our end. Um, But obviously be, you know, professional about it and all that. All that uh, admin vernacular they like to hear, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So the next part of that I had was... So how do we, and we'll apply this to the job and then uh, personally, so how do we push back um, and ultimately build resiliency kind of like on our level and, you know, the people we influence the most? I think uh, resiliency starts with training. We're not born... We're born with a survival instinct. We're born to be able to adapt to things. But it's it's almost bred out of us. Well, especially in today's climate and <coughs> the world. So I think that it's going to start in training. We're going to have to tap back into this basic instinct to survive and, you know, to be adaptable and then bring it up from there. Yeah, I think training is one of those biggest things. And then um, kind of in the notes here, I have um, just like learning from your experiences or 
I think it comes down to like being a good leader and you don't, you know, you don't have to have rank to be a good leader. Everybody that listens to this knows that. Um, but also to have, you know, that support system around you, be it a, you know, your work, your family, your church, fill in the blank. Right. Um, because there's a lot of people now where, they have like one type of hardship and they just fucking quit. Yep. Like how many young men have you run into that, you know, they go, you know, it's usually a high schooler. So it's usually a high school age male that goes through like their first breakup and you end up going to their house because they're threatening to commit suicide. Oh man. Like that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a super common one. Uh, you know, you see that about once a week out where I'm at. Um, and you're just like, what? Like, cause like, I never thought that like, you'd be sad about it. You'd cry or you handle, you know, you handle your shit, right. You would, you know, react to it however you wanted to. Um, but you didn't want to fucking kill yourself. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? There's like, look at what, look at what that's become though. Look at it. Look at your celebrities that'll threaten or, you know, attempt and things of that nature. And then they make Netflix series out of it and stuff. And that's a legitimate. Anybody who's actually dealt with that and not threatened it and not, you know, oh, I'm going to do this over a person. Anybody that's actually been there, anybody's actually been that low and felt that way, that, that hopelessness that's associated with that, then they'll understand and they'll, they'll stop crying wolf because that's, that's not somewhere anybody needs to be, but it's a fad now. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a fad. I describe it as a fad. Like most of the young, the young men and women we deal with. And it's, um, it'll be like high schoolers and it'll be up to, uh, I dealt with one the other day. She was like 31. Um, I, you know, I, I obviously do not know what her life experience was or anything, but like she did and had all the things, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, had full support of her family. Like she went to school. She had, you know, cool house, a cool dog. She had all like the material things. Um, but I guess just to keep it simple, like the resiliency was not inside her at all. Like none. She's like, yeah, I'm just really sad. And I'm like, you know, I'm kind of, you know, I, I mean, I kept it professional on scene, but then, you know, you know, after the call, we talked to people and what I was kind of thinking in my head, I was just like kind of looking around and I was like, I was like, you're an upper middle class white girl. What the fuck do you have to be depressed about? And dude, I'm not here to judge anybody that way. They they could be going through something just as much it, as anybody else. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, I, but there's I just understand so many what people you're, that... what you're getting at and, and the, you you always know the difference. Yeah, I've seen you and I both have seen the real thing. You know the difference between who's gonna do it and who's not. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, and it's it's not something that that I take lightly, uh, you know. So if you are if you're threatening that, and I get to you before you do it, I'm, I'm gonna you're gonna get put in handcuffs, and I'm gonna manhandle you until we get you the help that you need because I'm not gonna allow that to happen. Right. Right. So, so what do you think the other parts of society can do to build up resiliency? I'm going to know what um, we can do and how I'm going to push the men and women around me. But, you know, some of those people where they were just talking about just that kind of, you know, freshman in high school, probably up to like 30, 32 like any of those type of people that are like struggling that aren't, um, you know, first responders, just normal people that we would, I mean, I know we can't, you know, in a work capacity would, we wouldn't be able to, you know, we can only give so much of our opinion or um, kind of what would be quote, like help, like outside of the realm of um, law enforcement, but just in the terms of this podcast, what do you think people outside of first response should do? Wake up and do something hard every day, something you don't want to do. I don't care what it is. It's something that you don't want to do. Make yourself do it. And then the next week, every day, find something bigger. The next day, the next week, bigger. Keep doing it. Keep making it a habit to do what you don't want to do and get comfortable being uncomfortable. That's going to breed resiliency. You already have it in you. If we threw you out, eventually, you're either going to do one of two things. You're going to die. We threw you outside with no nothing, or you're going to figure out how to survive. You're going to go out there and figure out how to hunt fish or gather or do whatever. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a natural human instinct that we've right. dumbed down. Yeah, we have dumbed it down. I remember the first time... Uh... I didn't know what I was looking at at the time. But in high school, we were noticing um, lower numbers like in sports, like in tryouts and the amount of people on the team. Like it was, um, you know, where I was, you had people that were in big 3A schools or 4A schools that um, I mean, there were some people that were still playing both sides of the ball out of necessity, not that they were, um, you know, the best person they could do it. You know, they were just that skilled. It was like, we literally don't have enough bodies, even though we have a school comprised of 2000 kids. Mm -hmm. um, I remember seeing it back then and I didn't know what that was or I had a different perception of it back then. Then when I got to college, I saw um, it was kind of the same thing. So you would see it. Um, obviously, I wasn't a varsity athlete in college, but um, the ROTC numbers were lower. Like uh, the cadet core was, was not very high um, across all the branches. Um, and even like club sports didn't have a lot of people. Like there wasn't, they couldn't even have like enough teams to like have their leagues or whatever. And that was just like, 
club free participation, you know, no scholarships. It's just something you did after class at five or six and, you know, you know, be it like football or ultimate Frisbee or soccer or baseball or whatever. Um, <clears throat> USC, like the numbers were lower than two. And you're just like, Oh, this is weird. Like, but then you go down to, you know, you'd be walking around town, be it on campus or off campus. And everybody was balls deep in their phone or on their computer. Um, you'd go down to whatever bar district and all the bars would be full. Um, mm-hmm. But then, but then your gym was empty. Like yeah, I, I saw it back then and it just, we've been on this trajectory longer than people think. Um, so, I mean, would you say that's almost, it has to be self-initiated to challenge yourself? Yep. Yeah. I mean, I think, and there's because some people to get, this is yeah, the right. reason why if, 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 if you say you sign up and you do four years in the Marine Corps or you do six years in the Army or the Navy or whatever, and you're going for the discipline, you say you want this discipline, you're going to be disciplined because you're in that environment. But what's going to happen when you're outside that environment and you're not being held to that standard? Yep. I'm not saying that every military veteran that I know is is extremely lazy and out of shape because they're not. Okay, I, and, and literally 99% of the 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 veterans that I that are personally that I know are they take very good care of themselves. I'm not saying that. That was an example of if you're not in the environment and your your brain is trained to just take orders instead of ordering yourself to do these things. Right. That's what I'm saying. No, I, and I definitely had that discussion the other day. Um, there's not a lot of people that get up early, um, get up early and go to the gym on day shift. On night shift, it's a little easier because you don't sleep as much and you're usually up a little earlier. Um, but when you're on days, there's not a lot of people that are in the gym at four when you're working like a six to six or a seven to seven, uh, you know, seven P to seven A type shift. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the guys that I do go to the gym with, I'd, I'd say probably about half the time is, is also, a um, is also a Marine. He like went to the Navy now for a, it's for a commission, but he's still gay. But, uh, <laughs> But uh, but we were having this conversation the other day, and it was like there's just some people that um, they just get out of that structure, and they just because they don't have that structure, they just absolutely lose their mind. Um, and by lose their mind, I mean you know they get fat, they get out of shape. They're um, I mean it's it's physical and mental resiliency that just starts to go downhill because they don't have um you know they don't have somebody telling them what to do they don't have the motivation of their you know their brothers and sisters around them or whatever they need right and i think that's one thing that um that's actually one part of crossfit that i can't necessarily punk because that's one of those um i don't know do i want to call it a sport um 
but it kind of holds people accountable. Like you have a coach, you have other people there with you where you're not, you know, once you get out of the military or if you get out of, you know, any type of like team environment and first response, you're going to the gym by yourself. You're educating by yourself. You're reading by yourself. You're learning things by yourself. And there's not a lot of people that, um, I guess, have that discipline. I mean, I know that's kind of cliche Jocko where it's like, oh, I have the discipline, but, um, that's what it is. I mean, that is kind of the simple answer to a lot of shit. But gym discussions. So Don't next part I'll get into um, is the like how are you, how do you mentally keep yourself positive? Uh, don't have you had a conversation with me? <laughs> I know this 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 episode got a little dark, but I mean there is I, I mean and I mentioned no, that in the, I mentioned it in one of the past episodes. And, you know, I was talking about that about making, you know, inroads at my department and um, you know, being on a winning streak and getting the changes you want and um you know, you do have to challenge yourself where it makes other stuff easier down the road if you have the discipline to, you know, discipline yourself personally, right? Um, I think from the um, from two episodes ago, uh, ago I put, um, and I can't remember where I first heard this, but it was, you know, just pushing yourself physically. And you can do this mentally too, obviously, but it's just easier to apply this to like weightlifting and sports and, you know, PT in the military and all that shit. But, um, <clears throat> you'll pass out before you fucking die. True. I, I can't remember the first time I heard that I've heard it in multiple places, multiple sports, whatever. Um, like if you go to failure, like your body's going to stop, like you're not going to die. You know, unless you have, you know, some freak, you know, disease or physical condition or whatever, like it can happen. But like 99.99% of the time, like you're not going to fucking die, bro. No. So why not put the work in? Make it hurt. Yeah. Mm. Um, but I think some people, can, they, uh, it's so crazy too. like in the day of just infinite knowledge and infinite inspiration, um, people are less educated and least inspired. <laughs> yeah, because I, it's instantly gratifying know. for them I, to see it and not yeah, do and it, it. Right. Yeah, it's I always, temporary yeah. dopamine release. They see these things, they see these things, they see these things on Instagram good. or whatever, yeah. you know, whatever. Oh, you know, that made me looking. feel good right off the bat right there. Yeah. Right just there. on your screen, but then they don't do any of it in real life. Yeah. Why would they? They're getting that bandaid fix that, that, I mean, that. that can be, you know, seeing hot chicks on the gram or it can be, you know, somebody, you know, doing fucking 50 pull-ups on the IG or whatever. It's just like, well, why don't you go get that chick? Or why don't you go do all those pull-ups and then feel that shit in real life? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, people people get way too wrapped up in the screens, man. That's, that's one of my pet peeves. I tell people to get off the computer, get off their phone. Um, you know, I've done that to my current girlfriend. There's one time I pissed her off. I like grabbed her phone out of her hand and put it down. I was like, Hey, like, are you going to just sit on fucking TikTok all night? Or are we going to fucking enjoy each other? Like, you know, um, 
yeah, these screens are just put the fucking screen down. I mean, I, I mean, obviously we're on Instagram and I like sharing cool shit with everybody, cool training stuff, um, stuff with the podcast, um, you know, cool fucking guns that come out, you know, news. Like, I think it's a good tool, but people get just too fucking deep in it. Yeah. I'm, uh, um, I'm put on the another, motherfucker down. I'm on another break. I've, uh, I haven't had it in like three months. None of the, nothing. Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat. I'm out. Hadn't had it. Hadn't missed it. Yeah. It's been focusing on what I have to focus on and that's it. Yeah, and I used to do that. Um, I did it in college and up to up to creating CTG. Since I created CTG, I haven't taken a break. But I also, um, I don't know, have just found the discipline to not be on my phone all the time. Um, I mean, there's certain days where I'm on it more than others. You know, I got to create artwork or make posts or I get with Bobby and we think of something or we go over to Kyle's and do something. Or, you know, we're going over there to Sawmill and doing the comp. And, um, you know, there's some days where it's more than others, but then there's other days where it's like, hey, I'm going to look at the pages in the morning. I'm going to put something on the stories that are up for 24 hours. Um, you know, I'll come back in another 24 hours and I'll, I'll share something else if need be. Right. Um, but I just think like literally if people just became more disciplined with just challenging themselves and putting the fucking phone down more, uh, would be in a better place. <laughs> like as a country, as the world, whatever. Yeah. Achieve something on your own. Do yeah. something for yourself. Hey, even better, be a good human and instead of doing something for yourself, do something for somebody else. Yeah, don't be a cunt. Like yeah. that's really that's really it. These people. Yeah, these people, these motherfuckers. I how, can how, say how, that too. how often do you say that at work? You're just like these motherfuckers. <laughs> Yeah, that's a daily thing. Of course, especially my last assignment before I left it was in the shaking hands and kissing babies district. <laughs> yeah, you did. I did it all in that fucking job. Well, <laughs> gross. <laughs> Anything else on resiliency, bro? Yeah, you gotta stop being so soft. That's it. That's all. Stop being soft. I mean, that's really it. And there's um, so I guess one last thing that I'll leave everybody on, and this is, I know everybody that listens, like y'all are basically on the same page as us, but this is to help other people in your life, in your district, um, on your shift, in your family, whatever. Um, there's a lot of people that they take resiliency or getting in shape or challenging yourself they take it to um, or they interpret it as taking it to the extreme instead of doing a little bit over time um, you, you know I mean the, the classic cliche saying of like 
how do you uh, eat a whole elephant one bite at a time? You don't um, like, there's some people that just take this stuff to the extreme. They're just like, Oh, well for you to be in shape, you need to, um, you know, run like Cam Haynes or David Goggins. It's like, it's like, no motherfucker, you don't have to take it to, to the extreme like that. Like you're one, you're, that's how you fucking die is you fucking run 26 miles every day for a month. Um, <laughs> like there's some people that you need to break up these goals to your building resiliency. It's not resiliency is not a light switch. It's a multi-step process and you have to change it over time as you get older and as you change career fields and as there's there's other changes in your life like you got married you had fucking kids like obviously you're not going to be able to do all the same things you did in the same exact way when you have twin baby girls like i did fucking running around the house you know like it's gonna it's gonna change but people always want to take that one big bite and that one big fix where you got to, whatever it is, you got to fucking build it over time. Like, um, you know, when I first got certified as a cop, like I was fucking, I was trash on some stuff. Like I can think back to it now where you're just like, why didn't this make any sense to me back then? And then now it's just, I can almost do it on autopilot. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, when I first started shooting, um, so my first gun was, a was a full size Glock 2240 cal. Uh, and we went out to the, I can't remember if it was indoor or outdoor, but like the target was literally like seven yards away from me. And I didn't even hit paper on that motherfucker. <laughs> or now, you know, I, you know, I shoot, you know, 90% or higher in anything that I've done, like in the Marine Corps and law enforcement. You had to build, you fucking had to build that up. You're not going to be. You know, you're not going to be Tom Brady out of the fucking gate. You know what I'm saying? Like, Tom Brady was not a fucking superstar in college. Like, he was good in college, but, like, just watch videos of that goofy motherfucker. Look at his, like, have you ever seen his combine videos? Yeah. Yo, he was trash. (laughs) And now he's the GOAT. The GOAT. The GOAT. Um, so I think that's one thing they just get caught up and just like, Oh, I want to be this big chiseled fucking sexy dude or sexy girl overnight. Or I want to be, you know, um, you know, fucking tier one SRT operator overnight or whatever. You got to like build up to that stuff. Um, so I guess that's just one thing I would tell people like resiliency is built. It's not a light switch. Mm-hmm. You got anything for that? No, that's it. I think you hit the nail on the head there. It's a lot better than my soft. I don't know if anybody's ever going to pick up on my... Don't be fucking soft. Soft. <laughs> I'm glad you got it. Um, no, man. That's it. That's don't it. A, don't be a bitch. Don't be a bitch. I think, I think you've, like, ended all your podcasts like that. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't care anymore. It's all right. I work in the private sector. Private sector making that cash. Yeah, yeah, kiss my ass. Yeah, whatever. You're buying the blends next year. That's what that means. I'm gonna get. Well, yeah, I'll get blends. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, 
as always, make sure to like, share, review, and subscribe to all things CTG and to Valkyrie Tactical Solutions on Facebook, Instagram, and on our websites. Um, there is one thing I'm going to add to that is we've always talked about like dabbling into YouTube. Mm-hmm. Well, now like YouTube's not really the hot shit anymore. And um, just with other podcasts and people I follow and stuff, like apparently, have you heard of Rumble? No. So Rumble is like the new kind of thing that's supposed to be um, like more like freedom of speech oriented compared to YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to look into that um, because people have always said like, oh, you got to get onto YouTube and make videos out of these and whatever. And <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know about really making like a video video of it, like a video of me or whoever talking or doing like a split screen, like Zoom situation or anything like that. <clears throat> but I know everything that's in our backlog. So, I mean, this is episode 59. Um, you know, at least creating some type of video attached to the audio, um, which you can make like make a video out of a picture or whatever. And I don't know, it's something we're going to look into so we can just get on another platform. I mean, we're on all the, all the big platforms you would want to be on for a podcast, but getting on a YouTube or Rumble would be kind of the one thing that we've always kind of like talked about, I just haven't put um, like pen to paper for it. Um, I definitely think it's something that, um, that we could do just for like short training views or examples or whatnot. Um, I mean, I know Thomas had made um, some videos for like some equipment in the past, but I don't really know if it got posted to YouTube or anything like that. Um, just because it's so much easier to keep everything streamed uh, between the dictatorship that is Facebook and Instagram. But something we'll look into. That might be something we'll, that'll be like a project over the next year, maybe. But another place to be on the lookout. Um, and then I guess if you're not overseas or whatever, we can include you in that. Oh, yeah. All right, homie. Well, I think both of us have day shift tomorrow, so uh, it's time to go to bed. Okay, well, thanks for listening, (laughs) and don't be soft. Don't be a soft bitch. Love you guys. (laughs) Bye. See you, brother.